Hi, uh, welcome to the final part of my story. Um, thanks for watching my videos every day up until now. Um, thank you for supporting me. Uh, I really appreciate everyone that subscribed to the channel. I really appreciate all your support. It means the world to me and I appreciate to everyone that signed up to the Patreon for the music and videos there. It's been a huge support to me and I really... I just want to say thank you once again. Uh, yeah, 2023. It's January 1st, 2023 as I record this. And um, I've got a really, really amazing, good feeling about 2023. I mean... So far, it's been amazing. <laughs> um, a couple of things have happened that have been amazing. And uh, I'm very excited about the future. Very excited. Um, so that's all good. So where did we leave it? Um, oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And I hope this year brings you everything you want and, and more. And sometimes what you want isn't what's best for you, I've realized. So maybe just what I wish for you, whatever's best for you. How's that? That's good. Um, so we got to me calling Hans Zimmer. I'm moving here. So I should actually say alongside all these films, I didn't mention that I was also had a running alongside that career was producing bands and that was also at the height of my drug taking I produced it my first big band that I worked on was Depeche Mode I'm not saying they introduced me to cocaine but I'm saying they might have been might have been I'm not saying they introduced me to cocaine I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I was only 22 and never had done it and it just showed up and I was like oh not saying that um, yeah, so Depeche Mode was the first one. And uh, we spent three months doing three songs, uh, finished it in Abbey Road. It was like a legendary studio, legendary band. Insane time, insane drug taking, insane drinking. Uh, oh my God, the stuff that happened on that. That's a whole book, what happened in that session. So that was the first big band I worked on. And... Uh, as like I say, I was only 22 and they brought me in and there was another guy who was massively experienced in producing and done so many bands and I had done nothing. And uh, he, was, he was working at the same time as me and I'm like, oh, he's going to know what to do and he's going to be brilliant and I'm going to suck compared to him. He's like a big producer. After two weeks, they sacked him and just me, just little old me. Uh, so that was insane. Um, yeah, so we did we did three songs for a, a compilation and a bit of stuff on Ultra. Um, Massive Attack, I worked with them, played my first live gig with Massive Attack uh, in front of... They said, oh, come and play this little show um, in Paris. I never played live before. I turned up and it's 18,000 people. And I was so scared I couldn't move and had to be pushed on stage it was insane but that was a baptism of fire so that was amazing um, I worked I did uh, 
things with a couple of things with Madonna remix wise, U2 remix wise. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a nuts career. I wish I could have appreciated it because around that time I was in my dark hole of being a using drug addict. Um, but looking back on it, it's really good to have had those experiences and um, yeah, God, so many Jack White Crystal Castles. Uh, FKA Twigs, that was the last artist I produced who's a genius. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a wild ride. So I forgot to mention that. So Calling Hands was, I, I didn't expect to move here permanently off the back of this. I thought I'd just work with him on a couple of projects. And part of me thought he will want me to move there and I'll be moving to LA. And so I was giving up my film career that I was starting to do films on my own. So that was starting to take off and giving up working with all these bands um, and remixing all these big artists and stuff. Um, so something in me was like, this might not be the best idea. Um, but I was in a weird position because my marriage was falling apart and there was the recession as well, which there was a lot of, I just started doing my own films and all the films that were supposed to happen, like the independent films of 2009-10, just all stopped because of the credit recession. Remember that? When all the money disappeared in 2008? So all the films I was supposed to be working on disappeared. So I was in a bad position. And also, the um, we, me and my ex-wife had just bought an apartment and we bought it right at the top of the market. And that was going massively down in value and all my films disappeared. So it was a financial mess and a career mess and I was like I'm gonna call hands I need to I I, I want to work with them and nothing's really keeping me in London so I called him up uh, when I got to LA I met him loved him we got on so well instantly we just bonded over with quite similar I'm gonna say I mean we both obsessed with synthesizers both obsessed with music he gave me a tour of his studio we just got on like a house on fire and uh he said, I'm working with Pharrell Williams. Um, and we got these five songs and I can't really, know, I don't really know how to finish them. Do you want to produce them and finish it? So I was like, okay. Pharrell Williams and Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics were two, two people in the band. He's like, do that, do these five songs. I'm like, okay. Um, even though I'd worked with big artists, this was a big deal. This was, this was like, I was a massive fan of the Eurythmics and a massive fan of Pharrell. So I was thrown in at the deep end with these five songs. I produced them and uh, Hans came in one night and he listened to the finished versions and he was like, do you want to just move here? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all right. And that's how it happened. Um, he said, I've got a ton of films that I want you to work on with me and I can set you up here and just move. So I did. That was 12 years ago. 2010. So I'd heard that it wouldn't be the best environment for me. I'd heard that it was like a factory. And when I got there, I had this horrible feeling. Like I've never been able to be an employee. I'm just a, I'm an awkward little bastard. And I don't fit in in groups very well at all. So I didn't fit in in groups. 
and the structure was like a, a, a company almost. So I felt like, whoa, hold on. There's, is this like a, an employee situation? Because I can't handle that. Even though on paper it wasn't, it felt like it was like a structure of like people that manage the composers and then the composers and then a lot of composers that we brought on to different films and it just didn't suit me. And I, I love Hans, I love him. He emailed me a couple of months back and just said, uh, simply put, we adore you. It was so sweet. It was such a lovely, it really cheered me up. Like I was in a bad place when I got that and that really cheered me up. So we got on great. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't get on with everyone that worked along, alongside him and with him. And I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy from day one. I didn't really fit in with the, I feel like the job there was to, for all these people to learn how to sound like Hans. And that's not me at all. And to Hans's credit, he knew I was an oddball and I made weird music. So he would like throw me into films as like the wild card and I would go and do this crazy music. And sometimes it would work. Afro Circus on Madagascar. That was my idea. Just came up with it one night. Chris Rock in the film went da 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 and I was like, that's a song. And so I made the song out of that little Chris Rock thing. It was, wasn't in the film. And they actually recut the film around the song. So occasionally I would do stuff like that that was just super successful. And sometimes I would just bomb. There was no in-between. It was either it really was great or it was just terrible. And uh, I remember someone saying to me, if we played the director what you did on that film, we'd all get fired. And that was the kind of environment. I mean, it's funny looking back on it, but at the time I was like, that was Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, So big films, but not me and not, I wasn't happy. And they'd have these really stressful uh, meetings every week where everyone would just pile in and you'd show and tell what you'd done. And all the other composers would like shoot it down, like really like full on heavy duty slagging it off. And it was good because it made you better, but it was stressful, really stressful. And I said to one of the guys when I came out of one of these meetings, I said, how do you cope with that stress of those kind of meetings every week? He goes, Xanax. And it just went in my head. I was 10 years sober at this point. No, eight years sober. And it went in my little head and it went in the back of my back of my head. And I was like, something in me said, I wish you hadn't just told me that. I don't know why. So two years into working there, I meet Laura one year. And that is just an amazing moment. And she was 50 days sober when I met her. We were at a party. And a guy comes up to me and he said, there's someone here who's 50 days sober. And I said, who's that? And he said, her over there. And I was like, oh. And I felt like an instant connection. And we we had this talk and we were just taking the piss out of each other. And we just had this really great back and forth, funny banter. And long story short, I fell head over heels in love. So did she. And we got married quickly within a year. So when we got married, she had a couple of relapses as we were courting, but we got married, she got a year sober, I was 10 years sober. 
I was still working with hands and this Xanax thing just was in the back of my head. And one day I got into a tiny little car accident and something in my head went, just ask for Xanax, painkillers and sleeping medication. Because that's what addiction does if you don't keep doing the work. So I went to a doctor, told lies, I told all the lies that I'd heard to, you need to tell to get the drugs. And he prescribed me everything I wanted. And I was like, I'll be fine. This, this is doctor prescribed, I'll be fine. Um, three, four days later, I was doctor shopping, getting as much as I could. And within a month, I'd blown my life up. I was saying to someone yesterday, it's like I blow my life up every seven years because I've just done it again. But yeah, so I blew my life up. Laura left. I lost the, um, the film I was working on with hands. Uh, I ended up back in rehab, 40 years old, thinking I've, I've, lost, I've lost my sobriety. I've ruined my life. I'm not going to be able to get this again. Like, sobriety doesn't happen to someone twice. But I remember, get a sponsor, I remember all the things that were in my first re rehab. So I came out and I was desperate again, and I went up to a guy, just like the first time, said, help me <laughs> do the steps again. And this guy was amazing, Bob. He talked me through the steps. I went through them quickly, because I kind of knew what I was doing, and I was desperate. And... It's a beautiful program. If you, it works if you work it, they say, and it's worked for me again. Um, so I got sober. Laura came back. We uh, moved out of our apartment and we moved into a little house in the Hollywood Hills, a tiny little house. And in that house, I said to Laura, you're really frustrated with being an actress. I can see it. You're not happy. You're frustrated. You keep going for roles and they keep going to other people. And she would like do an occasional commercial, but the stuff she really wanted was go to other people. And I was driving down Sunset Strip one day and there was all these billboards for YouTubers. I was like, YouTuber? And there was like Grace Helbing and Tyler Oakley and then their follow account. And I was like, whoa. So then I looked at it and I was like, this is perfect for Laura. So I harassed her. I was like, make videos, make videos online. I know you'll be great at it. I knew it. I knew she was going to be great at it. I knew it. It's the producer in me, similar to producing a musical artist, like steering them in a direction that you can see is going to be good. And I harassed, harassed, harassed. And eventually she made a video and then she took it down the next day on Vine. And I, I convinced her and just kept pushing. I was very pushy about it. And she said, okay, I'm going to make a video a day for a year. She made a video a day for a year. Six months in, it was the Ivy video. Um, remember to follow your dreams like even if you want even if you don't want to remember that one I'm not doing it justice but that went viral then a little character called Helen came along Stephen character you know the rest <laughs> then from that came Pamela Pupkin basically together we had this incredible run of like making having so much fun and being in love and making these videos that everyone loved and they would get 30 million, 100 million, 60 million views. Like every, it was insane the amount of success we had with those characters. And uh, it was just a great time. I'm just going to check that's recording. It was a great time. Everything was going great. And then we got pregnant with Alfie. And I was over the moon. Um, and then we, we were like, how are we going to keep doing comedy 
being pregnant with all these characters. So we started to make comedy about Laura being pregnant. And that was even more successful. So it felt like we couldn't do any wrong. And we were like, nothing was going to go wrong. No, what was going to go wrong? Nothing was going to go wrong. We were meant to be together. We, everyone in the world was loving what we were doing. I mean, like relationship goals, marriage goals, couple goals, all that. And um, Alfie was born and it's beautiful and amazing. And I made a little series. You might want to go and watch this series uh, about why we separated. It's a three-part series, why we separated. And that tells the story of Alfie's diagnosis through to what just happened seven months ago. So I don't need to go into that again. But if you want to know the gap between Alfie and now, those three videos explain what happened. Basically, I lost the plot. We renovated a house that went horrendously wrong. We, Alfie's diagnosis kind of freaked me out a lot because I was scared and worried for him. And he was diagnosed as level three autistic, the most severe you can get. So all this caused me to have a mental breakdown and uh, I didn't talk to anyone, anyone which was my biggest mistake and I planned to kill myself and I had it all planned out and I had a, a very laid out plan I was going to buy drugs from a lot of different people and they were staggered 12 to 3 12 30 this guy 1 30 this guy 2 30 this guy Anyway, I told Laura what I was planning to do. She called the police. I got detained here, I got arrested. That's another story. That's the first time, because I just got arrested. Anyway, ugh. In the course of them fighting about whether to put me into a psych ward or not, I decided, I just thought, I had, some voice came over me. That's the only way I can describe it. And it's the same voice I had when I relapsed on prescription medication. Same voice, I've only heard it twice. And I didn't do it. I came up here. I was bouncing off the walls. I didn't know what to do. So I made a video about what happened because it made me feel better. I put it up. People resonated with it and told me that it was really helped them to get help and help them with suicidal ideation. And people are like, I've just checked into rehab because of that video. I'm just not going to commit suicide because of that video. And it was like, ugh. That's, I'd never had comments like that in my life. So I was like, I've got to keep going. And I made a video every day until now, like I said I was going to. So that brings us up to now. Um, me and Laura are separated, as you know. Um, I just had a, a run-in with the police again. Um, I got into an altercation. It's been a shit year. Externally. But internally, I've never felt so hopeful. Like I've got such a good feeling about 2023 and I've got something coming for you guys that's really amazing. And people are like, I hope this launch and this drop isn't, um, isn't like a, an app or a... It's free. Who drops a free thing? I'm dropping something completely free to help you guys. Don't want any money for it. And I could do with money right now. I'm starting from zero, but I don't want any money for it. It's free. The thing I'm dropping is free. It's a gift from me to you. I'm really excited about it. Um, and yeah, that, that just brings me 
brings you guys up to date. I wanted to go into the new year with every all the new people knowing a little bit about my story. Um, I'm going to go live tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, 10 a.m. I'll be going live, piano chat. I call it piano chat because I sit at the piano and we chat. So uh, look out for that. I'm so excited about this year, you guys. I'm so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am. I just did. I love you guys. Um, come back tomorrow and see me go live on the piano for a chat. I love you so much. Happy 2023.